Beads drop a tough one on the diamond. But hey, let's look at the bright side. Football's right around the corner. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Beaverman Beat Podcast, episode 21. Uh, everybody grab a beer, drink up with me here. 21, we are finally old enough to uh, legally consume the alcohol. So cheers to everyone out there listening. And uh, we'll get underway here and we'll start with uh, things on the gridiron and then move back to the diamond and talk about the weekend series against Arizona State. But uh, God, it feels good to have a little bit of Beaver football back in our lives for the first time here in about four months, just a, a little bit over that since the Beavers beat Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl 30-3. to And albeit they're playing it themselves uh, in the spring game, um, it is a good kind of check in to see where this team's at and see some of those new faces and see who's kind of taking some strides in the offseason and who's looking really good. And obviously, we'll talk about quarterback play before too long, but I do kind of want to take a peek around just in general as from what I saw. I was watching from work, so um, I you know, saw things here and there, but wasn't really able to tune in for the entirety of the game. But then I've watched highlights back and forth here on uh, YouTube. But first things first, Reeser is looking awesome. Uh, I am so excited to get down there for that first home game and get in and get to take a peek there at that schedule. Um, just a short little bit away. I mean, I know it's not until September, but I think that's going to come up on us quicker than we expect, or at least I hope so. September 9th, that will be, hopefully we'll come in 1-0 after that San Jose State road game and, and put on a show for the Beavers. I thought the defense looked really good. They won the game, per se. Um, I believe the scoring was something like fourth down stops and turnover on downs were seven points. Or obviously, for offense, all scoring was pretty standard. Um, but the defensive scoring was based on stops, turnovers, sacks, uh, things of that sort. So I think defense technically won the day in the end there, even with the mishap on the, the interception that was thrown up in the air. Technically a touchdown for the offense, but I thought that was funny. You know, these guys are just normally playing on their, their one or seven on seven drills or just drills in general at practice. So as soon as there's an interception or anything, balls is dead. But so he threw the ball up in the air, but the game action. So that ball was still alive. Uh, so learning process there, but I'm pretty damn confident that you're not going to do that in the game. So defense looked good. The guys off the edge looked really good. A lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. Uh, some of the new guys were making an impact there. And this defense looks to look the part, at least, you know, they don't look like they've dropped much off from last season, obviously losing a lot of experience in the secondary and the news coming out of Skylar Thomas out for the year with an ACL is really, really bad news. But, you know, next man up and you're going to have to have somebody that maybe didn't expect to get a ton of run this season step up and, and fill in those shoes. We saw it last year with the Alton Julian injury and you had guys come out and step up and, and really play really well for what was the best defense in the Pac-12 last year. So hopefully Alton Julian can get back into action and start to stretch things out a little bit more and more here. He can fill in a spot there. The return of Katana Ladapo is, it's tough to state how important that is. Jaden Robinson, the defensive backfield is a little more unseasoned, but I think that they'll, jump up really quickly at Oladapo as a team leader. And I think he'll get these guys rolling. And I do think that those first three games, kind of a easy non-conference schedule. 
will benefit the Beavers in that regard, get these guys up to speed. And that's a nice kind of tune-up with San Diego State. That's probably your toughest non-conference game, but at least you get that at home where the Beavers are 13-1 and in their last 14 games. So I feel good about that. Running backs look solid, not getting as much push, but it you know it is the spring game. Uh, the defense has seen those run fits and everything all camp long. So to say they know is what is coming is a bit of an understatement. Um, so nothing too concerning there. The defensive line looked great. The offensive line looks great at that as well. And I think those two going head-to-head and battling each other all fall camp, all spring camp. I mean, Iron Sharp and Iron Man, these guys are going to be some of the best lines in the Pac-12 and probably in the country here. Jim McElchick uh, is one of the best offensive linemen coaches in the country. It seems the turnaround he's had on this offensive line. They talked about it a little bit on the broadcast for the spring game, but they look very, very good. And that's just going to help those quarterbacks, which we will jump into. DJU will be the starter come September 3rd, a Sunday in San Jose. I'm not too concerned about being so confident about that. Obviously, Jonathan Smith won't come out and say something probably until the second week of fall camp. But a lot of people kind of saw that Cole Branson was getting a start in the spring game and were a little bit confused. He's the, really the only one that knows the system. Childs and Uyangalele uh, just are still coming in and learning this whole new offensive system to the both of them. So I was not surprised to see Cole Branson get the start. Um, I do think the depth chart will kind of settle out to be DJ and then BG and then finish with Aiden Childs, at least for the first half of the season. I think as you get closer to the back half of the season and Childs starts to probably fill in a little bit more and kind of bring on a little bit more weight and add to his frame, he'll probably take that two spot from uh, Goldbranton, depending on where the season's at and how Smith wants to organize that offense. If they're looking, if you know, if they're 10, 11 win bound, like we kind of expect them to be, and I think they're capable of. I do see them maybe riding with Gold Branson in case something happens, just because he is a little bit more of a seasoned veteran and someone that maybe could limit errors. But same time, out of fall camp and out of yesterday from reading and watching the spring game, I think Childs is probably the best of the three. Uh, that throw he made where he rolled out of the pocket and hit Silas Bolden, that was... I put it on the Beaver Blitz on the Lodge page. I think that was one of the prettiest balls I've seen thrown at Reacher Stadium. That was just an absolute dot, where right where it needed to be, perfect for Silas to catch, but completely out of reach of any defenders. Um, and to do that on the run, escaping pressure out of the pocket to his left, not even to his right, this kid's going to be something special. I saw everybody putting on Twitter, that was uh, there were people that were there at the stadium, just how... You kind of notice the presence of DJ as soon as he takes the field because of his sheer size. Uh, him and Childs are about the same height. Childs is just a couple pounds shy of him. So once Childs puts on that weight, he will be kind of the same stature as DJ. And seeing him move in the pocket and really effortlessly flow in that offense. And that one play where he stepped up in the pocket and picked up about 20 yards. That's something that the Beavers haven't really had. They've had, you know, Cole Branson and Nolan did it a little bit more. They would take off, but a lot of that was broken plays where they're getting chased out of the backfield. Uh, I think on that one, Giles just saw a whole bunch of green grass, and that's a smart play to make. Obviously, he'll probably slide in a real game, I'd hope. (laughs) He went for the two-hand touch in the spring game, but really promising stuff from him. He's 17 years old. If they can redshirt him this year, which I love the new NCAA rule that he can play in four games and still maintain his redshirt status. 
So I think a red shirt here would be huge. I'm not worried at all about him hitting the portal. Um, one of the most, I guess, reassuring signs was, I believe it was his mom on Twitter um, after DJU announced the transfer there. Was obviously, fans worried that Childs might transfer now that he's got probably somebody that will start above him in front of him. Uh, and they said that, no, they know that was the plan and that they are all true to the Beavs. So whether, you know, is it a Glenn Taylor situation? I don't think so. I Coming from the family, I think Childs is locked in as an Oregon State Beaver. He, I think, knows that he is the face of the program here in probably a year. I think if DJ has a really good year, he goes to the league. But again, you've seen it with, uh, I mean, other Pac-12 quarterbacks. Bo Nix, he stayed. Michael Penix, he stayed. Cam Rising, he stayed. So maybe we get two years of DJU. And I mean, I would have no complaints here. I don't think Childs, again, I still think he's staying. But if you can get two years of DJ, three years of Childs, you'll probably get two years of Childs. He'll go to the draft. And they can keep recruiting quarterbacks at this level. Uh, Oregon State is primed for future success. And Jonathan Smith's really setting this program up. Just yesterday, two uh, four-star recruits cut their uh, number of schools down to the top five or top six, uh, and Oregon State was amongst a couple of those. That wasn't happening last year, let alone three years ago, four years ago. So the, the impact to now be able to be signing four-star recruits, bringing them onto the program, and maintaining them, this program looks like it's going nowhere but up right now, and this is just I mean, it's exciting. There's not much else to say. I can't wait to talk more and more about football on this podcast just because, you know, it, it is the big dog. You know, Oregon State, great at baseball. Uh, basketball still has a presence. But anyone would be lying if they said that football is not the biggest sport at any school, um, even Vanderbilt or something like that. Football reigns supreme. Football is king. Um, so very excited to get more chatter about football going on the podcast and hopefully get some interviews and things of that sort lined up. I do want to take a moment uh, right off the bat here and give my best wishes to Scott Barnes. He was hospitalized on Sunday. Complications he was down in Fresno. News reports saying he's stable condition and getting better, but I did just want to kind of bring that in and mention that. I had a couple meetings with Scott and chances to chat with him when I was a student down there in Corvallis. And I really, really like Scott Barnes. I think he is a, a pretty stand-up guy and he's made some really, really good hires and good strides for this program athletically, um, whether that's football, basketball, baseball, but also the wrestling hire was a huge hire. Terry Boss on the soccer team, that was a great hire. He's since moved on. Uh, but I mean, that Oregon State team was number one in the country. Um, so a great, great hire. And I think he's doing some great things, whether that's uh, women's soccer hire, volleyball hire, and then his gymnastics hire. So best wishes to him. Hope for a speedy recovery. And I hope to see him down there on the field at Reeser and back up and be at boxes at Goss here soon. Jumping over to what takes place at Goss. The Beavers played a three-game series down in Phoenix over the weekend and took game one, setting up for what looked to be a promising weekend. Um, they followed up with two kind of frustrating losses, if you look at them. Uh, Saturday, Arizona State committed five errors. You should never lose a game in which the other team has five errors. That game did uh, go to the bottom of the ninth, where Arizona State hit a walk-off home run. That was a grand slam. So the final score looks a little bit further from what the uh, final probably could have been. Uh, 11 to 7. You know, Beavs jumped out. They were up 5 to 2 after 4. 
and uh, just let things slip a little bit. The bullpen, which was the strong suit of this team coming into the series, definitely stifled a little bit. Um, but it's one of those things that when we were taking a look at this series earlier in the week, we were kind of mentioning that this is an explosive offense and it is going to come down to whether the pitching staff can kind of be used in short supply. If Sellers, if Lattery, if Kamats can go deep into the ball game and hold on to things and limit how often the bullpen has to go out there, then they would be set up for success. And unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards for the Beavers. Sellers and Kamats both went five innings respectively. And then on the Sunday game, Lattery uh, was only able to scratch two and a third. And it, he's not a, really a starter. Um, they're really missing Jaron Hunter in this situation. Having him throw another one of these games would have been huge, I, I think, for the Beavers to be able to kind of rest their bullpen a little more, save them and not have to trot out six pitchers on the Sunday game there. But, you know, the offense was there. It's They scored 30 runs over the weekend. Uh, so it's really disappointing to score 30 over the course of a weekend, um, 10 a game, and lose the series. They did give up 34. Um, I thought Trent Sellers looked pretty good uh, to start. Um, he did get roughed up a little bit, um, ended up giving up seven hits, five earned, uh, only striking out four, which I think is a season low for him through five innings. And uh, yeah, the bullpen just couldn't get things tied up. Ian Lawson did a good two and a third. Uh, the one hit, giving up three runs on one hit is tricky. The two walks um, snuck their way in there and a hit by pitch. So kind of a, a tough outing, especially for uh, A.J. Hutchison. Uh, he only retired one batter, gave up two hits in a walk and gave up three earned. But that was enough, surprisingly enough, to hold on on Friday. Uh, the Beavers with 13. They really piled it on early. They had, at one point, uh, 11 to 1 lead in the top of the fifth, and then immediately went to the bottom of the fifth and gave up four. So kind of, I wrote that it was a little similar to that Pac-12 tournament game last year in Scottsdale against UCLA. Obviously not to the same extent, but I mean... I think the Beavers were up in that game 21 to 12 and lost, what, 25 to 23 or something crazy. So a good win on Friday really had things set up looking to be a good weekend. Especially, I thought that they were hitting really well, and that was kind of a key is that they're going to keep their bats hot if they wanted to stifle this Arizona State team. But this was just an old-fashioned Western shootout as Arizona State put up 11 the next day and 12 on Sunday, which is just tough numbers to match as an offense. Beavers strikeouts, cutting out to them on Saturday, 10 strikeouts as an offense, um, and same goes uh, for Sunday. So it's just one of those things. This is a, that Arizona State team. It was uh, a tale of two sides. It was either gonna get a strikeout or an extra base hit. Uh, Sunday, Arizona State struck out just three times, Saturday, just six. Um, so that is really kind of where that breakdown comes from is keeping those guys off the base for Arizona State. Limiting base hits, walks is a big thing um, because the big blow is going to come. Um, and obviously it'd be nice to have those hits occur when there's nobody on base. Um, unfortunately, it just wasn't quite in the cards for the Beavs this weekend. But, you know, it is a series loss. It does break the uh, consecutive streak of series wins. But that being said, a lot of backlash and things on Twitter. Arizona State is... First place in the Pac-12 standings. Uh, we played them on the road and it arguably could have won the series. So yeah, disappointing to come away with a series loss. But at the same time, I think that there's positives to be taken from this series. Oregon State uh, now has a series coming up against Arizona, who did sweep Utah. But again, Utah is Utah. 
Uh, so they'll get a tune-up game against Grand Canyon tonight. I'm recording this on Monday. So last night for when the podcast releases, uh, Grand Canyon is not a bad team. Uh, I'm going to say it with how much of the bullpen had to be used over the weekend. I don't think the Beavs will win tonight. Um, I think they'll probably come up a little shy against Grand Canyon and try and rest some arms and give some young guys some innings um, and really bulk up for their return home to Goss against Arizona. I think that an Arizona series here should be a sweep if you can keep the offense rolling. Um, again, no word on Jaron Hunter, but it would be awesome if he could return to the pitching left staff here. Um, it already took a blow before the season, losing a couple arms. So losing another one mid-season really, really hurts. But definitely not over. If they can take this, they've got two really winnable series here at home. Arizona, Utah, and then their final Pac-12 series is on the road against UCLA. It's doable. UCLA is stifling. They just dropped a series to USC. Uh, they're only hanging out about a game and a half above Oregon State in the Pac-12 standing. So if Oregon State can rattle off two sweeps here, that would have them at 17-10, and 10, which would, A, lock them into the tournament if they're not already. They definitely look the part. Um, I think that they could squeeze in as a two seed, maybe a three seed somewhere if things really go poorly here towards the back end of the season. But Arizona's a winnable series. They're at 9-12 and 12 in conference. Utah is a sweep waiting to happen. They're 4-16-1. There are bright days ahead for this Oregon State team. They just got to take care of business. And I've mentioned it before. These are series that games that you should win, you have to win at this point in the season. That three-gamer against Western Carolina at the end of the year, uh, it, you know, a nice tune-up perhaps. Maybe get all your pitching lined up, um, get as many innings as you, as you want to see out of them. I don't think it's one where you're going to be forced to make any pitching decisions. I think you'll be able to kind of operate your staff and your rotation as you please, you know, as long as everything goes to plan and Western Carolina doesn't come out swinging hot bats or anything of that sort. But, you know, you've got the midweek against Oregon. Uh, in Corvallis, and then obviously the May 9th game against Portland here at uh, Ron Tonkin out in Hillsboro. That is looking like it might be the first Beaver game of the season I'll be able to attend. Maybe get down there for the, one of those Utah games. But other than that, the sky is not falling. Everything is looking a-okay for the Beavers in the baseball realm. They'll be just fine entering the postseason. Like I said, it, uh, I mean, their postseason success will probably depend a little bit on Jaron Hunter and if he can make a return to the pitching staff this season. Or maybe you start working and Dorman starts working AJ Lattery and starts to stretch him out so he can cover more than two innings, three innings, four innings. Uh, because once you get into the routine of playing that postseason play, it is game after game after game after game. Uh, the Beavers know that, you know, firsthand. The team as a whole, Mitch Canham knows it. He's played in a college road series where they lost the first game and they had to play pretty much every day uh, to get back there and eventually win a national championship. So this team has the right leadership. It's got the right coaches. It's got the right guys in place. We just have to kind of hope for health and look for the Beavers to remain healthy as they keep moving forward because this is not out of the realm of possibilities. If Stanford keeps losing, one or two games a weekend like they have been. Same with Arizona State. The Pac-12 title is wide open still. Jumping in kind of to the race for that Pac-12 title, we will take a look at our weekly Pat Beaverman power rankings. And coming in at 11, no surprise here, after getting swept in three games by the Wildcats, it will be the Utah Utes. And I think I can pretty much lock them in as being 11 wire to wire. 
Um, this is one that with these power inquiries, it started to come you know, more and more clear as we've gotten on uh, who is falling where. So probably a little bit less variety here and there. Utah will stay at 11. California will stay at 10. Uh, they did steal a game from Oregon this past weekend. Um, I got my hopes up and thought they might steal the Sunday game too, but not the case. Oregon takes that series to move to 11 and 7. And boy, at the number nine spot, what a tale of two seasons for Washington State. Started off real hot, beat the Beavs in Corvallis, which that series is really coming back to bite the Beavers now. Um, but Washington State was playing really good baseball to start the season. Uh, they are now 7-10 and 10 in conference, 24-14 and 14 overall, which um, below the Beavers in both of those records. Uh, so i got to put the Cougs at 9. I was very high on them at the beginning of the season, and I, I can't put a finger on exactly what it was there in Pullman uh, that happened that kind of caused the wheels to fall off. Don't really check their box scores as, as close as the Oregon State ones and things of that sort, but a bit of a bummer. I, I was hoping that the Cougs could smell postseason play and get into a regional somewhere. I think they'd be a lot of fun to watch in a regional um, you've got a couple of former Beavs over there with Fuchs and Jake Harvey. Uh, so would have liked to see those guys kind of get a little more run in the postseason. But it just does not appear to be in the cards this year for the Cougs as they will sit in the nine spot for probably the rest of the season. I think these bottom three are kind of locked in. Climbing from there, we'll go with uh, Arizona. We'll come in at eight. So sticking true to the bottom four in the standings. Um, I'll give Arizona the, that slot there at eight. Uh, you know, good weekend sweep over Utah, but kind of as I mentioned earlier, that that's a game that needs to be, or a series that needs to be won and a series that probably needs to be swept at this point in the season. Um, when playing that Utah team, they haven't won a Pac-12 series all season. There's no reason you should be the first to give them a series. And really, the only thing I can think of uh, for a reason they might take a game from you is if you kind of take your foot off the gas. So... Arizona, good sweep, 9-12, and 12, still below 500 in conference. He will not make the postseason this year. Um, slash you in at number 8. This one might be a bit controversial, but I'm going with my number 7 spot with uh, UCLA. I just don't think they're playing very good baseball right now. They've dropped a couple series in a row now. Um, kind of dropped to 9-7-1 and seven and one in conference play. They have two games, two Sunday games against both Washington schools um, were postponed. So they'll be two games shy of everybody else. Well, I guess not of Washington, Washington State, but two games shy of most of the Pac-12 by the time the season wraps up. I don't know. They dropped a series to USC this weekend. I don't see things really looking up for them. I don't know what their schedule looks like heading out. We'll take a quick peek real quick to see who their final three, their final four Pac-12 series, I believe, because they've already played their non-conference weekend series. So let's see. They will go. Yeah, they've got to go to Stanford this week. Things will continue to be rough for them. Um, how about to Stanford, host Cal, um, host Oregon State, and then on the road to Arizona State. Um, so really tricky end of the season for UCLA. They get a breather with Cal at home, but that is about the only one they will get. Um, so UCLA will take the seventh spot for me. Um, at the sixth spot, I'll take the Washington Huskies. You know, I think six is right on for them. It's middle of the pack, and that's, I think, where the, they've been, and that's kind of the story of their season is, you know, it's whatever. It's not great. It's not bad. They're about 500 in conference play. They've got a good series win here and there, but they've also got some bad series losses sprinkled in there as well. I think this is kind of the line for where people below this will kind of be looking from the outside in come tournament time and everybody above this will be in having a little bit of fun in the tournament. I go verbal meme that uh, video of Squidward peering through the blinds. 
with SpongeBob and Patrick playing outside. That's kind of what this is giving me. Um, all these teams below there peering out of the blinds, looking for a little chance to get in on the action, a little in on the postseason play. But for most of these teams below this line, it will have to wait until next year. Um, so now the top five currently in the Pac-12 standings. Give me USC at number five. This was a, a kind of a tight one, but uh, you know what? Switch that. Put me at USC at four. I'm going to put Oregon at five. Um, a good series win for Oregon against Cal, taking two or three um, on the road. Probably another series you would like to see them take all three in. This Oregon team, I just have no confidence slotting them higher or lower. They've got really good series wins. They've also got really bad series losses. Uh, that sweep from against UCLA continues to look worse and worse as the season goes on. Uh, they did take two or three from Stanford, though, but then they dropped two or three to Oregon State. Uh, I think they beat USC in their series, or have they played yet? Uh, that would be a big series if it has not occurred yet coming down the stretch that I would be very intrigued in. I don't think they have played yet. I think that is still to come. Uh, yeah, that will be... There, that first weekend of May, Oregon goes to USC. So yeah, put me Oregon at number five. Again, like I said, USC will take number four. Um, USC kind of on a rise here and there, but what it really came down to between slotting them and Oregon State was head-to-head, and Oregon State took that series from the Trojans. Um, so Oregon State, I will slot in at the three spot. Um, like I said, there was a little bit of a huge reaction to this Arizona State series loss. As the Beavers still look really good right now. Uh, they just kind of ran into a team that is playing very good baseball at the same time on their home turf, and you didn't get a couple bounces. Things didn't go your way. I did not get a chance, and somebody uh, please let me know on this. In the Arizona State game the Sunday, the infield was in, ground ball to shortstop, throw it to the plate. It was called out, and then Arizona State reviewed it. And then during the review, I had to go help a customer. So I never saw what the final call was. I thought he was out from my vantage point. Um, so if anybody could let me know if they called him safe, not there. And then also what possible camera angle they used because Arizona State, get your money up. Uh, that was a horrible production over the weekend. Hire a broadcaster, do something because uh, that was tough. But uh, I digress. Oregon State at the three spot, leaving your top two unchanged, Stanford two, Arizona State one. Um, if Arizona State can continue to play like this, uh, I could see a pretty good postseason run from them. If they've got to welcome teams into Phoenix, first off, trot down to the local casino, wherever you can place um, a bet on collegiate sports at, and throw all the money you've got on the over for the regional runs scored. I don't know if that's possible, but if they can set a line for the amount of runs scored in the regional, hammer the over no matter what the number is. Um, that'll be an offensive showcase down there in Phoenix. Uh, but I think that they're primed to make a run. And a couple of these teams in the top half of the Pac-12 are. If things kind of go their way, it's real easy to imagine how they could kind of get hot and go on a run here towards the end of the year. Um, and Stanford, you know, they kind of built themselves up really strong in the beginning of the year. And now they're just kind of holding on. They're not faltering by any means, but they're not blowing anybody away. They've got Cal tonight in a midweek game and then um, over the weekend, they will welcome in uh, for the weekend series here as they kind of wrap up the Pac-12 play as well. I think they've also had their non-conference, right? They played Oklahoma in the non-conference, uh, but this weekend is that UCLA series. So a big series there and one that uh, 
might dagger UCLA. That's kind of crazy to say, but if UCLA gets swept here and drops to a sub-500 conference record, it's hard to imagine them playing in the tournament. I know I already kind of put them below that line, but I do think they still have a little bit of life. Their brand carries weight. Um, I hate to say it, but it's true. But yeah, that would be a definite dagger if they get swept here. Friday night's game is on ESPNU, so kudos to ESPN for finally putting a spotlight on Pac-12 baseball. Um, It is long overdue because this is some of the best baseball in the country being played out here. But that is all I've got for you today on the Tuesday episode. Like uh, like usual, Thursday, I will come with some predictions for the weekend series um, as it's another good slate coming up for the Pac-12 and the image becomes clearer and clearer every week. So until then, signing off. If you're up in the Portland area or Corvallis, the weather's supposed to be getting nicer this week. So cause for celebration. I see some listeners across the seas. Hope weather's nice where you're at. And I've got listeners down in Arizona, so I know the weather's nice where you're at. But thank you all to the people that I just mentioned. If you're in those areas listening, I mean, if I didn't mention you, if you're listening in general, I really appreciate it. So thank you to all of you. And I will see you again on Thursday. Until then, have a good one. Have a good week. And go Bees!